Hi, welcome again to Interval's Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of March 16th, 2009. I am Chris Bevelo, president at Interval, and we have... Adam Meyer, design director. I'm going to confuse that today because we also have a guest with us, Andy Meyer, marketing consultant at North Memorial Healthcare. Say hi, Andy. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Andy is a social media explorer and self-described man of leisure and of least consequence. He's Adam's brother. So throughout this podcast, it is inevitable that I'm going to call Andy, Adam and Adam Andy. So everybody just get used to it. Just make sure no fights break out. <laughs> we, grew you, up, we grew up responding to both. So, so you guys know that. Yeah, Was that a cruel joke by your parents or? No, because we also have a little sister named Amber. So there's three. That's a cruel joke. I'm going to put that in the cruel <laughs> joke category. Fair enough. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, your interests, or anything before we dive in here, Andy? Uh, sure. Formally, my education is in uh, public relations. I also have some background in EMS. I was a paramedic for three years. So going into healthcare marketing was something of a mix, I guess, between uh, the provider world and my interest in communications. Um, I have been at North Memorial Healthcare all told close to eight years and uh as you said i'm something of a social media explorer that's sort of my passion right now and cool. i know we're going to be talking about that today so i'm uh looking forward to that cool well welcome uh we're going to dive you. into that uh in just a second but first i have a couple things one i want to whine about the weather uh we pre-record these ahead of the date that they are released and i can tell you in the twin cities it's one degree Today yeah, it is cold. It blows. It's so annoying <laughs> at this time of year. Very. This is this is the time of year where it's just depressing. It you know, is. It is. And there's always the stereotypical. Oh, it's the fill in the blank high school tournament, so it's going to snow. I can deal with snow, but the bitter cold at this point of this game really stinks. Yeah. So if you're listening to this somewhere else, wise living choices (laughs) if you're south of here. So uh, we're going to dive into some things on social media, but first I wanted to give a shout out to uh, something called the HealthCom Chat on Twitter. And I participated in this for the first time uh, Sunday evening. So it's typically held from 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, on Twitter. You go to a tweet chat room within Twitter uh, and you enter pound HealthCom uh, as the that's the tweet chat you want to go into. We'll put all this in our our show notes. Uh, when I participated in this Sunday, there was about forty to fifty healthcare communicators, marketers, uh, social media folks from around the country, uh, and it was a blast. It's a bl- if you if you're familiar with Twitter, uh, the first benefit is you can see anybody who's in the chat room, whether or not you follow them on Twitter. And it's basically like, imagine getting 50 people in a room and everybody's talking at once. So it's a blizzard of communication. And uh, you definitely have to get used to the nonstop updating, trying to figure out, well, what are you going to say? Who are you going to say it to? Are you going to respond to somebody who said something to you? Uh, It's pretty frenetic. But uh, met a ton of people who I've kept in contact with since then, uh, learned some things. It was just a wonderful experience. I'll be interested to see... Uh, what happens when their numbers grow to 100 or 200, how in the world they're going to manage that. But for right now, it's, it's a great experience. So I would encourage both you guys and anybody listening, uh, if you're on Twitter, to check that out. And you get, neither of you guys have been in on that? I yet? haven't yet, but I, had, I actually heard of it this morning. Okay. In addition, um, 
In fact, I think it was because the group that must coordinate that is now following our Twitter feed at oh, the okay. hospital. Okay. So. There's a there's one person uh, who I think set this up. His name's Eric Hansen. Um, and I don't know what his Twitter thing is. We'll put that in our show notes. But he's he's here in the Twin Cities. I think he was the one to help establish it. He actually moderated on Sundays. So there's usually a moderator, throws out questions, everybody responds. Uh, and so it's just a it's just a great experience. I don't think they're having it this coming Sunday for some reason. Uh, but watch Twitter, and I think if you go to Pound Healthcom, uh, and you can go check out, you can see notes. There's a Facebook page. There's a website where you can go see all the communication that went on in the last show. So anyway, one of the things that came up in that is something that we wanted to dive into, and that is for hospitals and health systems, how do you manage uh, your reputation when it comes to user-generated content? So if you consider that hospitals are starting to create their own Twitter feeds, their own Facebook pages, um, usually there's an official version of those from an organization uh, but what about employees who Twitter? What about employees who have their own Facebook pages? What about like any struggle in traditional marketing where you've got a department that says, well, we're going to do this on our own. And they start the XYZ North Memorial department Twitter feed or Facebook page. Uh, and then you have the question of all the user generated content that, that comes out of that or is attached to it. Comments people might make on uh, sites where Patients can post things, so whether it's, uh, I don't know, WebMD or whether it's Revolution Health, and, and you've got your own employees posting things as representatives, whether they're qualified or licensed or not. How do you deal with that? So, uh, Andy, I'm going to turn to you and, and let you kind of dive into some stories you might have or, or some experiences you've had with that. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the social media movement in this context, kind of took some people, caught some people off guard, caught some companies off guard. They weren't really prepared with uh, guidelines in place uh, to let employees know what the expectation is, right? Uh, you know, of their usage of uh, the web as it relates to their position with the organization. Uh, and so, I know there has been, you know, as you said, some discussion about this perhaps in that Twitter yes. forum. Yep. Uh, and uh, we're actually looking at this right now at North Memorial, putting together some online communication guidelines for employees just to let them know that, uh, you know, we have expectations that they're not going to use, for example, their uh, corporate email address right. uh, when they're sharing uh, personal views or for, you know, es essentially as a, you know, a screen name or, uh, you know, I think one example we used in there is that they wouldn't send a letter to the editor about whatever their personal gripe is using right. corporate letterhead. Right. You know, think of it that same way. Um, and also uh, to try to get in front of the, the issue of people setting up their own blogs, um, yeah. uh, blogs, websites, uh Facebook pages, whatever the case may be, and essentially branding it as though it were, right, you know, an official one for the organization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anybody who knows how to capture a logo uh, off of a web page and has ten minutes of spare time can set up 
uh, Facebook page, a Twitter account, whatever the case may be, that uh, a reasonable person could visit and think it's your organization's, you know, official mouthpiece. So, uh, you know, it's it's if if you can, I think get these guidelines together, you know, in advance of that. Um, for a lot of organizations, I think it's a little bit too late at this point, but. Um, you know, it's it's still it's, it's still, never too late, though. Well, right? it's still I mean, good practice. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, too late. I'm just saying. I guess that you might even want to get on Facebook or Twitter, search on your organization's name, and just see what's out there. Right. Right. Um, because there might be some things you need to nip in the bud. The cat's just, out of the bag is what right. you're saying. Yep. yep. Right. So, uh, you know, and it's not that employees are necessarily even trying to be malicious. Um, if you don't have these guidelines out there, there is no expectation. They don't know that right, they're right. doing anything wrong. Right. In some cases, they you know, they may have the best of intentions. You know, maybe they are, uh, uh, you know, actively working to promote your organization uh, in the, in these venues. And uh, if that's the case, you know, they may be good champions for, you know, your official page or blog or site or whatever the case may be. There were uh, in this Twitter chat show. Uh, on Sunday night, this topic came up, like I mentioned, and people were frenetically posting sample policies. And one of them was a website that had 20 or 30 uh, policies from very well-known companies, Microsoft, Coke, whatever. I don't think I saw a healthcare company on there, but uh, those could be places to start. And I'm sure there were also some postings of healthcare organization policies. So we'll we'll make sure to include those links to those samples in our show notes. So if, if people want to go out and see, uh, and what I'm finding is, I think in the spirit of social media, that organizations are willing to share these things. It's not like it's a marketing strategy. It's not like it's a, uh, something that they feel is competitive. If, it, if they, if they come up with these, they're more than happy to share them. And I think you were mentioning that you, you've been offered some samples from other health organizations to use, right? I, absolutely. Ours, uh, at North Memorial is based, uh, largely on, uh, what we received kindly from the Mayo Clinic right. for their own employees, and uh, they have, you know, they they have shared those with us, and uh, we're certainly willing to, you know, let anybody who is interested take a peek at ours, and sure. if it can be helpful, great. I think As he's known as not pr- proprietary, you know? right, right, um, and I think that you can look at probably twenty different companies, and you're going to see some common themes. So it's not exactly. Uh, you know, any any sort of secret. Right, exactly. It's not. It's not. And it just helps people, uh, because the cat is out of the bag, the sooner you can get on this, the better. And it just helps folks from reinventing the wheel. This topic just came up with uh, a client of ours this week where, you know, they had folks who, in their community posting negative things about an experience at their hospital on, like, the local paper's website in relation, you know, in comments on a story or something. And they had physicians going, should we, uh, should we respond? Should we respond in an anonymous way? Uh, and, you know, how, what's our policy for, for how, what to deal with this? And, you know, the one thing that, that we landed on together was, and they had found this out by, by looking into some of these policies, was probably the last thing you want to do is create kind of this secret anonymous campaign to fill user content, you know, in a positive way without people knowing who you are. Because... It's going to come out. Somebody's going to figure that out. And then now you've got a PR, a real PR issue. So if you're going to do that, it should be transparent. Uh, but how you do that's a whole other question. 
So, you know, that's just one example, I think, of, of where this is coming up all over the place. I'm sure every hospital, health system, clinic, maybe even every physician is having to figure out how to deal with this. And gag orders are not the solution, as we talked about last time, at least in our perspective. Right. Right. And then the other thing I'll mention is um, Microsoft dealt with this. It's, again, interesting that healthcare is kind of surfing the last wave on this. But Microsoft's been dealing with this for years because one of the most popular bloggers on Microsoft turned out to be a Microsoft employee. And he was as negative, more negative than positive about the company. Rather than squelch him, they basically just said, well, let's be transparent about who you are. Uh, and they had they had enough confidence in themselves to say, hey, if our empl- our own employees are unhappy with things, why should we hide that? We we want we want that to be out there so we can figure out what to do with it. Not sure everybody would take that tack, uh, but that's kind of a famous story. It's a bold move. It's a very bold. Microsoft's bold, and and you know they're not going to get sued for malpractice either. So it's a totally different industry, and I'm right. not suggesting that's what people do, but. Another example of of how this can come out. Okay, anything else on that one? Well, I think that, you know, you do bring up a good point. It's it's not even just uh, necessarily uh, a a matter of planning for uh, your employees or for sites that would, you know, masquerade to be uh, the official social media mouthpiece. But I think you also have to be prepared to, uh, you know, you should, you know, have a forum where visitors can provide feedback. Right. And when you don't like that feedback, figure out in advance what you're going to do. Right. Um, You know, we have uh, not a lot of content moderation guidelines, but we do make it clear that we're not going to allow anything to be posted that is profane or uh, violates a patient's, uh, you know, right to confidentiality or anything that's threatening. But, you know, if it's if it's negative and it's in context to uh, to the page. Right. Um, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're going to leave it and we're going to respond to that. So are you talking, for example, like a Facebook page, which I believe you allow people to post comments, correct? Correct. Those are moderated to some extent. To, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, that, I think they have to be. Uh, but that's that's what's helpful for people to understand. Well, if you have Facebook, I mean, people can post anything. And with a personal Facebook page, you don't get a lot of people saying, you know, you suck on your wall. But if it's an organization, you never know. Right. Well, and we we touched base a little bit on this uh, earlier this week, just in a chat we're having around the office. I think there's a difference between Facebook Facebook comments and you, like YouTube comments, for example. On YouTube, you are anonymous. You can say right. whatever the hell you want, and you drop as many f bombs and just be d bags. What else we yeah. throw in there? <laughs> exactly, a holes, <laughs> d bags. I mean, everything you can you can put on there anything you want because you don't. There's no ramifications for it. You right. don't. You are anonymous. Nobody knows who it is. Yep. On Facebook, you can't comment on it without. I mean, when. You, you've, you've got an identity on Facebook. Now, right. sir, you, you can limit the ex- access to anybody who just clicks on it. You know, they can just see your picture and your name or a brief description of your bio, but it's still tied back to you. It's tied back to your name. It's tied back to your photo, I wanna, whatever I wanna, your photo might I be. I want to give a perfect example of that on my own Facebook page. Um, you know, I don't even, we talked about this before. I don't read the comments on the Star Tribune following an article because they are so mindless 
uh, aggressive, base, awful. They're, they're just nasty. There's no value in it. Uh, but they're anonymous. That's why. I think that's why people do that. But somebody on their wall, a friend, it's not really even a friend of mine, but they friended me, so they're, I see their wall, went on a political rant on their wall. And I won't say, you know, I won't get into which side. It doesn't even matter. That's not the point. But it was awful. It was just something you'd hear on talk radio. Right. Uh, but his name was posted to it. And, it, and you know, you had a couple people try to respond and, and say, well, now, wait a second. What about this? And the guy just went deeper and deeper. And it was so negative. You know, A, it's not the right place for it. But B, I know who this guy is now. And I just, you know, tuned him down. You can tune down people on Facebook. Right. I, I, short of, you know, defriending him. But I don't want to hear that right. either way. I mean, it happened to be against my political beliefs, but I just don't want to hear negativity on Facebook. So uh, that's an example of what you're talking about in action. Cool. All right, well, let's move on to something else um, a little off the beaten path. You, you, had tw- you had tweeted, Adam, on something uh, on a unique way to listen to our podcast. <laughs> Do you want to give away a little bit of that or, yeah, or maybe the, the, tease it a little bit? Pantscast.com. Oh, Pantscast. It's, yes, yeah. it's a very, um, it's kind of a, ma- a marvel of modern science, if you will. Uh, German engineering, I understand. Um, just advanced, advanced science is probably the best way to so put it. So cutting edge. Cutting, cutting edge. Cutting. Star Trek-ish even? <laughs> <laughs> if you will, <laughs> but uh, pantscast.com. No, it's a, it's a $2 iPhone app that allows you to subscribe to your favorite podcasts, such as ours, of course, and uh, any others, and just experience them in a, in a rich, a rich, very rich way. I think a rich, a rich, rich way is the best way to, is best rich way to put the it. Word you would use. Andy, have you tried pantscast? I have not. You know, I don't even have an iPhone. Oh, womp, 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 <laughs> Do you have to have the iPhone app? It's an iPhone app, yeah. Oh, yeah. because I went to the website. I thought you could just do it on the website. I don't, I don't think so. So it's all you do is app. get the iPhone app, and then you, get you the listen app. to any podcast that's on your iPhone. The podcast. Yep, yep, and it basically... Rich is the word you use. Right, right. Okay, well, well, we encourage you guys to check it out. I haven't tried it yet. I, I know I have a sense of, of, of how it's different, but I haven't experienced it myself. No, no pun intended. Yes, scent. I didn't say scent. <laughs> oh, okay. I said sense. So anyway, we encourage you to check that out. Can I still refer to myself as a social media explorer without an iPhone? I'm starting to feel it. a little bit conflicted about this. No, I don't think iPhone is social media. It's not a required tool. It's not. It's uh, certainly a common... Then again, can you be, could you be Lewis and Clark without a compass? I can use I mean, Twitter with my crummy old phone. From what? My crummy old phone. From yeah. just a normal phone? Yeah. I can wow. use Twitter on that. I yeah, yeah. So I think you're okay. As okay. long as you can still mediate socially right. through your <laughs> mobile device. I'm not disconnected. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I think that's fine. <laughs> I don't, we're not we're not iPhone snobs here by any means. Hey, speak, iPhone speak, has many drawbacks as it does Oh yes, yes. Positivities. Yep. I'm making up words left and right. <laughs> we have to put these definitions in our show notes. Okay. Another thing we want to get into was uh, we found out, I think yesterday, Wall Street Journal reported, maybe two days ago, that uh, CVS, the large pharmacy retailer, uh, announced that it was it had purchased Minute Clinic and announced that it was closing 90 of them. I think they had f- that leaves like 460, if I remember the math right. Uh, we'll provide a link to the story. But they're closing 90 of them around the country um, for the season, which was an interesting way to put it, uh, to help quote-unquote, align with consumer demand. So there was a lot of back and forth through Twitter again about, well, what does that really mean? 
you know, did they overextend themselves? Are we seeing an oversaturation of mini clinics in the market, uh, which uh, I think is part of it. And also, clearly, we're seeing a drop in demand for healthcare what, utilization. Right. Yeah. It, there, I can literally. There are three CDS pharmacies that I can walk to, probably within range of my house. I mean, above and beyond whether you know if the minute clinic concept itself is is become just too much on every right. freaking corner but these drugstores are on every corner it blows my mind that they can stay in business i mean i can i could understand that it's con- the whole their whole thing is convenience right. and there's one you know within walking distance of your house if you're in a, like in a metro area but yeah i mean if every one of those is trying to support some type of a minute clinic concept it's uh, plus target plus, plus walmart plus, yeah plus, plus all, the all the other ones i think that's what you were getting at andy what do you yeah, think is every, every well everybody's trying to get into this yeah. into this business into retail healthcare, right um, you know and it's not even just stores i mean it's you know independent primary care clinics right right set them up hospitals set them up mm-hmm. um you know it's just uh, it's too much of a good thing it's a good idea yep uh they are very convenient i've used them myself but yep. but uh you know something's got to give at some point. Yeah, and I I think that's kind of the conclusion most people are coming to, and the, the economy is just accelerating that because they're expanding at the exact worst time because people are just not going in for care they, they can avoid. And whether that's, uh, you know, somebody brought up, well, it's strep throat, you got to go, you got to go. That's true. Sinus infection, not so sure. You know, other things that you can deal with or, or outlast, uh, people are avoiding primary care. So because they just they can't afford it or they're scared to, to spend the money. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and also I had an interesting conversation with somebody about this when minute clinic was out there and they were the only ones they had a pretty good experience, but it was the only experience. And now you've got all kinds of choices. So you can, uh, you can go anywhere and target, I think has a good experience now, but now people are selecting, well, where do I, you know, I've got 10 mini clinics within 10 minutes, which one's, are best for me or which ones might be covered under my insurance. Cause I'm not sure all insurances are covered everywhere. Uh, but anyway, so that's something to watch for and see if I don't think it's a, uh, repudiation. Nice <laughs> repudiation of the mini clinic model, but for whatever reason, you know, oversaturation, uh, drop in demand there. Probably see more of this on one hand. It almost feels a little bit counterintuitive though, because, even without uh, healthcare coverage, as far as clinic visits go, their services are reasonably affordable. They're cheap. Yep. Um, I don't know. So you almost, you, you, I guess you would think that maybe consumers would find that to be a, an attractive option in this. Well, economy, here, here's a here's a twist on that. Not. In the beginning, I don't know if this is still the case. To go to Minute Clinic cost me forty five dollars. To go to my urgent care cost me ten. So it was actually more expensive to go to Minute Clinic, but I still chose to go there because it was quicker and better and all that. So maybe that's part of what's going on. I don't know. You know, since then, they've introduced the fact that my copay applies at Minute Clinic, at least for me. But whether that's universal, I don't know. Yeah, for me too. I guess I'm thinking for people who are perhaps uninsured. Right, right. So. Or, or for whatever reason on COBRA or underinsured or right. high deductible. Yeah. All right. So one more thing before we go. I just want a, a little mini rant on... Fair Isaac, who announced yesterday that they've changed their company name. Now, Fair Isaac, I'm going to get this utterly wrong. We don't have it up on the website to look at, but some kind of financial 
services credit bureau type organization. Anybody got more on that? I got nothing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, they're responsible for the FICO score, which we were trying to figure out before the show must stand for fair Isaac credit oval something (laughs) somehow. Right. Uh, but what they did was they changed their name Fair Isaac, which just from my perspective has a still a pretty positive connotation, uh, to FICO, which I just couldn't understand. I mean, FICO in these days is like a dirty word. Your FICO score the other, is related to credit, which is related to debt, which is going down the toilet, and everybody's credit sucks, and nobody can get loans. And I just found that very curious. What do you guys, any input on that? I also hate acronyms as names. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well-known. FICO's well-known. But a lot of people point to the FICO score as a part of the problem because everybody focuses on one little thing as far as giving credit uh, and ignores other things. Uh, It drives people to focus on, well, as long as I get my FICO score up and, and ignore things like, do you have a job or whatever? Right. Uh, anyway, I'm probably getting far afield here, but it just caught me. You guys have nothing on that? I don't know. I have to. Come on, just an opinion. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm going to give it thumbs down. Thumbs down. Any reasoning or just gut or that's mine? Yeah, I just don't like the negative word association. Yeah. It just seems like kind of branding taboo. Yeah. Fair Isaac sounds like, you know, like it's been around for three centuries and it's, it had roots in England, like Lloyd's of London kind of feel to sure. it. Uh, and fair is very positive, and Isaac is biblical, and it's just... Sounds kind of distinguished. It's distinguished, and FICO's so uh, acronymy. <laughs> it's kind of a sharp word, too. And it's FICO. FICO. Watch out for the FICO. Just me? What the FICO? <laughs> there, I was waiting for something for Adam. <laughs> That's good. All right, well... Anyway, that's just, I wonder if anybody else has any opinions on that. I posted it on Twitter and got nothing back. So maybe I'm, I'm all, all oh, alone. You're, you're not alone. You're not alone. No. I think somebody you're onto something there. Somebody else search oh, for I'm that. I'm on something. Somebody else search for it. Speaking of which, I have, this is off, off the beaten path again here, but I heard a song on the radio and I actually was led to finally figuring out who the artist was through Twitter because I, I, a lot of times when I hear a song and they don't announce the band, I end up listening for like a phrase in the song that I'm going to go Google right. later, like the chorus. Oh yeah, I do that. So I remember the chorus cause they didn't say who the artist was. I Google it, nothing. And I was excited to like immediately go download this song or the album. Don't you have Shazam on your iPhone? Yeah, but that only works with mainstream stuff. Nothing. Oh, obscure. so this is some funky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I Googled it, nothing, nothing. Like I, I kept like over a course of a few days. Finally, I was led to the Twitter feed of some guy here in Minneapolis who also heard it on the same radio station who was having a Twitter back and forth with somebody else from like L.A. who liked the band as well. And finally, they figured out the name of it. And like their first iteration of the name was totally off. It was like Hail, Hailstorm was the name of the band. Yeah. But I don't know. It was, just, it was fascinating to me that I was that that this is how I, I mean, there's. Normally, you Google lyrics, you find the song right away. But there was right. like nothing at all until it was like until I was led to other people with the same problem. Are you suggesting that that the connectedness of people is more powerful than the connectedness generated by computers That's what I'm at saying. Google? That is and what their I'm saying. Server farms. That blows <laughs> my mind. That's a good thing to end on. That's a positive thing. So yes. the Borg won't take over the Earth, and Terminators isn't right around the corner. Not yet. People still rule. Yes. 
Awesome. There, there, was, there was a great Onion headline that said, Google to destroy all information it cannot index. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's where it ended maybe up. That, yeah, maybe that's the deal. Twitter becomes the underground kind of John Connor <laughs> network. Sorry, I sub-referenced too far there. All right, we better end now before we, we get too crazy. Andy, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks again thanks. for inviting me. It's fun. We'll have you back again someday soon. Definitely. Please do. Adam, once again, thanks. This is Chris Bevelo at Interval. Thanks again for listening to Healthcare Marketing Insights, and we will talk to you next week.